another edition of the Functional Fanaholics. Sitting here with uh, my main cohort here, Ryan. How are you, buddy? Doing fantastic today, buddy. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing a lot better than uh, one of our 33 percenters, one of our co-owners, who's uh, delivering a kidney stone baby right now. Um, and not on air for obvious reasons, because anybody that knows anything about kidney stones knows that that is not anything to be messed around with. That would have actually helped us increase viewers. Maybe we're, I mean, no, no, no. All right. In a side Please conversation, I did beg him to come on air with a live webcam, but we, we, we've already danced with can cancel culture before, and we thought that would be a... A death blow for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is new year, new us. That was that was twenty twenty two us. <laughs> Absolutely, new year, new us. Right. So you uh, you went to the the Buccaneers Lions game. I'm sure the last few years you've been in Tampa, you've always been rocking Tom Brady Tampa Bay uh, gear. What was it like being in the the city of Tampa with Lions gear on? Oh man, I, I mean. Those of you that know me, I've been a lifelong Detroit fan, but I've called myself a closet Detroit fan. Like I've been, you know, almost ashamed to call yourself a fan. You don't really want to wear their, you know, the gear with like pride. It's just been, it's been a rough, what, what, like 20, 30, 40 years of being a fan. It's been pretty, pretty tough. So I've, I've lived in, yeah, it's for a while, right? So I've lived in Tampa now, um, you know, Brady, my boy, obviously a Michigan fan. So I loved him ever since I saw him wear number 10. Um, very easy to kind of get behind the bucks, you know, the last couple of years when Brady was here, never really was before until Brady came, but I'll tell you what, I don't know if this is what actually having a winning team feels like, if this is what it's like to be like a Patriots fan, if this is what it's like to be like an Eagles fan, like this is such a new experience for me. I still have yet to be able to wrap my, my head fully around it, but like I went to the game on, on Sunday. We had awesome seats. We we're like fourth row, 50 yard line. Um, went with Andy, friend of the cast, the, his brother, and a couple other guys. Oh my God. I could not believe the amount of Honolulu blue. Not only was it their creamsicle unveiling throwback night, like it was a massive ordeal for them, right? It was all creamsicle jerseys. All the, the the graphics were all done in like that retro 70s, 80s kind of font that looked more like almost porno movie-esque. But like they were, the, the Honolulu blue was not as much, but it was darn close to as much Honolulu blue as it was creamsicle orange in, orange in there. And I'll tell you what, at the end of that game, the Detroit fans pouring out of that stadium after winning a non-divisional conference road game you would have thought we won the Super Bowl. It was unreal. The uh, the sign of the apocalypse is the Detroit Lions are leading the NFL in viewership ratings. So per games, viewership ratings over Kansas City and all these other obviously elite kind of sexy teams. So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, get your get your guns, ammo, and torches ready. The apocalypse is coming. Um, in you know tongue-in-cheek fun news when we always think about what we want to talk about on our intro both of us are just monster and i mean monster steve smith fans how painful was it to watch steve smith semi unprofessionally attack a player unnecessarily but just loving him as a player in that just absolute dog 
that even in retirement, he can't put that pit bull away. And he's like, would want nothing more than to go out on that field and have the opportunity to strangle him. And Jerry Judy, I mean, how hard did you laugh? And how much did you cringe when you watched that interview? So, I mean, you want to cringe, right? Because it's like part of you wants to kind of feel bad for Judy, but like a little bit of that was self-inflicted too. Like, I feel like Judy almost like asked for him, like, hey, wait, and here's the other thing. Judy has seen Steve Smith play. Judy knows what kind of guy Steve Smith is. Anybody that knows who Steve Smith is knows not to cross that junkyard dog. That guy will tear you apart. He is pound for pound, one of always been one of the toughest wide receivers, in my opinion. The undersized guy, plays like he's you know twice as big, fearless, which you absolutely love. At first, I kind of started to cringe, but then I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, this is the kind of sports television that you want, right? I don't want those canned, like, PC-type responses. Go after these guys. Put them in their places. And honestly, Steve Smith did, and I don't necessarily disagree with very much of what Steve Smith had to say about Judy. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it reminded me of Aaron Andrews and Richard Sherman when he went crazy at the end of that game about Crabtree. And you just, you just sit there and you're watching it and you're just, I don't know, as a player, you can almost get away with anything, but just watching him as somebody that I guarantee his bosses sat him down afterwards and were like, Hey, like, I get it, but like, you gotta keep it on the train tracks a little bit better than this. I don't know. I, I just died. Hey. And I, I know you're a Steve Smith fan too. So I, I, we, Steve Smith, if you're watching this, uh, we'd love to call you a friend of the podcast. Come on, come on. You're a friend of the cast. Come on, come on. <laughs> Please. I'll tell you I, what, I, listeners, too, I'll make you another promise. If I can rip that audio from somewhere, I will add it to the end of a podcast. I'll let you guys know, unless you guys haven't seen it. I feel like we got to get some of those little sound clips, and we'll maybe incorporate it into the show here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving uh, on to uh, getting into some of the league news, I, I think this week is best uh, the, the, the overarching uh, you know, theme of this week would probably be the bipocalypse that every fantasy analyst will sit here and call this mixed with injuries. I mean, pr prisoner of the moment, everybody wants to pretend that every every year is, oh, this is the worst year ever. This is ridiculous. This is this is the most injuries I've ever seen. I would, I don't, I've never, I haven't seen the data yet, but I would really argue that if there was a worse year than this, that's pretty unbelievable. We had players like Fields, Montgomery, we had Kyron Williams go down. We had Trevor Lawrence get banged up. McCaffrey, Debo, to a lesser extent, Tannehill, but he helps that offense function and helps some of the other fantasy assets at least give you some sort of uh, some sort of worth. I mean, it seems like we're talking about this every week. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's tough to say year over year because I feel like you're right, right? Every year is the worst year. It's always more of that recency bias. Um, you know, th this has been a tough couple of weeks, and we've seen some big names go down. I mean, even if you look at the last, like, three or four kind of collectively. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I was holding my breath for CMC. I, you and I are a co-owner of the guy in a dino league. Um, you know, some other ones, too. Like, even seeing, like, just like even the Trent Williams and other big key components of these offenses kind of get nicked. I think it's, it's, it's been a rough go out there. But I think there was some signs of life, and I'm going to tee up something that I want to talk about because seeing Aaron Rodgers throw on the sidelines was a little bit 
I don't know, seemed unhuman to me a little bit. So I don't know if you remember, but I've been asking you for a couple of weeks now, why in my, actually I'm going to pause right there. Mothers, parents, this is a family friendly podcast. We are keeping this PG 13. However, if you feel like your kid is on the fringe of that, now's the time to tell them to go outside and play in the mud. Um, we're going to get a little bit naturey, And in the naturey conversation that we're about to have, it's going <laughs> to dance around it, but it might get a little graphic. So, um, but remember I had a note in my phone for the last two weeks and I couldn't figure out why it was. And it was dolphin sex. And I had no idea why I put this in my phone. Well, after going down some rabbit holes that I probably never want to go down again, because now I've learned way, way too much about the dolphin mating rituals, I figured out why I had it in my phone. Before I tell you though, I gotta share some of this information. Did you know dolphins will actually like make a bouquet and they'll like gather sticks and stuff from the ocean floor to try to court like their female dolphin friend? I, seriously. And you think that's crazy, get this. The end of their extremity can actually grab things. I didn't go into a lot of depth about it. I didn't see it to a point if it had like an opposable thumb on it, but it stated how it can latch on, grab, and it can actually use it as almost like literally a third arm, or in that case, a first arm, third flipper, whatever you want to call it. But anyways, learned way too much about dolphin mating, but I figured out why I had it in my phone. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers believed, and this is actually a wider belief out there, that listening to the sounds of dolphin mating has both mental and physical healing properties. So after seeing Aaron Rodgers now throw on the sidelines, I mean, it's tough to argue that. I mean, it's almost science, right? I do have to ask you, in the history of your athletic career and all your workouts and injuries, have you ever turned to dolphin mating for quicker healing? Apparently, uh, in 2017, I could have avoided double back surgery by listening to more dolphins. I, I really wish this podcast had, uh, had transpired earlier. <laughs> Big mistake. Can't wait yeah, to ask uh, uh, our friend about that later. Yeah. You know, a lot of people uh, take trips down south to Mexico for certain shows. Apparently, the oceans of Mexico don't, you know... There's just not donkeys on land. There's also dolphins in the ocean right on the Mexican, you know, and right on Mexico's uh, border of the ocean there. So if we, can ever the new business this, idea. Yeah, if, if we can ever take this podcast on the road, we would love to uh, have a satellite location in Mexico to film this at. So um, there's so many people begging for us to move on from this topic right now, right? Um, the one thing that I wanted to say is the injuries mixed with this first six bye week, you know, six teams on a bye week. Have you been in the same situation in your leagues where I have a pocket full of cash and fob in like major players that have actually had worth? Like Nakua was available in leagues, and I, I got him basically in every league besides ours. Um, but like Achan, like there's like our Achan, Chan, right? Achan, he Achan, uh, a train. He was he wasn't available in anything, be it Dynasty or somebody had him and everything. So I have this pocket full of fob cash, and there keeps there there just keeps being these players like like 
Hotel Di Mercado. You know what I'm saying? And these like guys where I sit there and it's on waiver Tuesday and I'm like, I, I feel like I'm too experienced of a fantasy owner to really sit here, even though I have this burning pocket full of cash and it just keeps being these like horses, you know what's. And I'm like, man, I just can't justify putting a bid, even though I desperately need a running back, even though I desperately need to do something at tight end. I'm like, I'm not putting a bid on this player. I'm just going to see who clears waivers and just take my chances. Are you getting the same experience? See, in the two leagues or a couple of leagues that I've talked to you about, I mean, I blew my wad on, or blew my fob or my wallet on um, Pookie right out the gate. Like, I, I spent a way over bid. I was just like, I got to have this guy. I love him. You know, fell in love with the name, fell in love with the production. Um, so I way over bid just to make sure I locked him up. In those leagues, though, I was like, I've been pretty fortunate where I've also kind of had a pretty winning team. So I haven't had to go looking on waivers. I haven't had to try to go get other players. I'm a firm believer of two is most of those best waivers. You unearth them the first couple of weeks anyways, like the big players that nobody drafted. Like, I mean, think of how and how many leagues Kieran Williams shouldn't have been drafted. I've seen most of that wasn't drafted in leagues like players like that. that just all of a sudden like, oh, why did nobody draft that person? Let me bid on them. I got to have them on my roster now. Um, and typically that's what you see. I've now kind of like now that my wallet's been a little bit drained, I've kind of gotten a little cheaper and it's just I've been doing that same thing. I'm watching people overbid. I'm watching people spend what they want to spend. And I'm like, you know what? Let me clean up the scraps. Like two things that I've, that's happened to me in the last two weeks, I'll tell you. One, I avoided Dear Mercado and then I grabbed Ingram for free. Ingram looks like he's going to be the starter there. I mean, probably not the greatest value, but we're not a lot of production, but it looks like he's still getting that lead duties. Same thing happened this week. Elijah Mitchell is still the number two behind CMC. Granted, I know there's some flash in the pan with Jordan Mason. Shanahan praises Elijah Mitchell. If he's healthy, I believe Elijah Mitchell is going to get the bulk of that work. However, you see people bidding on Jordan Mason, and I had a league where Elijah Mitchell wasn't owned, and I scooped him up for $0. So there is some strategy to that. There is some things, hey, again, people get recency bias. They see what they did on Sunday. They got to have that. They, the big, one of the biggest faults you can do in fantasy football is chase last week points, right? And I think that's what people have been doing. All right, Fanaholics, we're uh, getting into the six-pack of questions. I think a lot of you are getting uh, familiarized into what uh, this segment's all about, and it's, it's always going to be our favorite. So got myself a little chocolate porter. You know, always support the Michigan, uh, the Michigan scene here, so... It's a big lake brewing, and I do like me. My favorite uh, drinks are always porters and stouts. So I'll crack that. Ryan, what are you sipping on? I'm sipping on a little uh, homemade old-fashioned. Pull up in front of the camera here. Um, I was out of oranges, so there's no orange peels. Add a little orange bitters instead. However, I do have is a little gag gift, I think, that my dad put in a stocking somewhere along the way. It is an ice cube sphere in the shape of a football. How fitting. So... Cheers, buddy. Nice, uh, nice moves, Dan. Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, so, hey, first question. Let's open. Let's open up that first first uh, beer in the Sixers. So, um, first thing I want to talk about today is um, kind of looking at the rookie situation, right? Hey, every year there's a lot of hype about rookies coming out. They're some of the hardest to predict, right? You have to figure out what kind of scenario they're going to be in, how much the coach likes them, you know, what kind of playing time they're going to get. So, instead of really looking at the ones that we've already known that are these guys are legit, right? The Pookies, the B. John Robinsons, the Zay Jones, who I swear to God, every time that guy touches the ball, I feel like he's making people miss. I love watching that kid. 
anyways, moving on. A train, uh, Laporta, like those guys, the production's there. If you have them, you're playing them when they get healthy or whatnot. The guys I do want to talk about are the ones that, hey, maybe we don't know what the second half of this year is going to look like. First and foremost, Gibbs. I know y'all, and I say y'all because I avoided him everywhere, thank God. Spent a lot of draft capital to get this guy. Great football player, amazing talent, isn't producing on the fantasy football playing field yet. So my thought with Gibbs, it's kind of now or never. If you don't see him kind of take over, start to get some production in this absence of Dima, he's still hurt. I think it might be time to say, hey, this is just the Gibbs that I'm going to have for the rest of the year. And it's going to be that 10, maybe 12 touches a game, high efficiency touches, but you're not going to get that production. Because as long as Demon's healthy, Campbell wants to run that guy in the ground. So here's your window on Gibbs. Another guy that I really, really like, um, I've kind of been high on him. I danced around. He's, I added him in leagues. I ended up having to drop him. He became a bench casualty. Um, is Rasheed Rice. Uh, I think the kid, kid's got talent in case he is desperate for somebody other than Kelsey to take over that alpha wide receiver position. I think Rice can do it. I think he has the talent. You start to kind of see him feature him a little bit more week to week. Mahomes seems to kind of like go after him. Hey, and plus two, Matthew Barry's high on him. So the rest of the fantasy world probably should be too. A um, couple other guys I like. Mayer coming up from uh, you know Las Vegas. He's a tight end with a pulse and he's getting catches. I think that's all you need to say. Talking about ramping the guy up. Looks like his production's going up. Had a great game last week. I like him as a speculative ad. Um, another guy I really, really like is uh, Michael Wilson. I think Michael Wilson has a really, really good schedule coming down the stretch, or at least in his playoffs. Arizona's playoffs, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Arizona has a very favorable fantasy football playoff schedule. Um, also, too, they just opened up the 21-day window on Kyler Murray. We saw what Kyler Murray did with D-Hop. You have Hollywood there. Still kind of missing that alpha wide receiver, that wide receiver one. I, I, I do like Michael Michael Wilson. A couple guys that I have a hard time getting behind, which I feel like I feel like the fat ladies may be already saying on them, um, is JSN and Kincaid. I think Kincaid, I've seen him added and dropped everywhere. I just don't think you're going to get a consistent fantasy production out of him. Um, Josh Allen still loves digs over everybody. I think you've got Knox. It's always going to be in the picture there. I just feel like Kincaid is kind of maybe it's time to, if you're not in the Keeper League, if you're not in Dynasty, might be time to cut, cut bait. Um, and then also, too, is JSN. Unless there's a, draft, a major injury that goes happens to Lockett or DK, I don't think the path for JSN to get uh, – a very productive fantasy value is there. I think he's going to kind of always struggle. You know, his snap percentage is even going down. Um, so those guys I'm kind of kind of out on. I like, I do like Andre Miller as a speculative ad. Um, I think he's a good bench stash in NOLA. And then there's another guy that I want to talk about, but I don't really want to steal your thunder because I know we're going to kind of get to him in the next segment. But before we move on, I mean, any other rookies, any thoughts, anything I missed? Anybody else you want to, you want to touch on? The guys that you talked about are similar players on my radar. Um, <clears throat> like with JSN, the thing that I would I would warn people against because you know in our main league I have JSN, so I'm looking at a lot of you know signs from him. There was uh, a lot of uh, information that just came out of them having both tackles go down, and they came into the year trying to run 11 personnel with three wide receivers, but because the t the tackles were so banged up, they had to go with double tight ends with 12 personnel, which is why JSN's snap share was so low and his targets were so low. So now that the tackles are healthy and you just saw 
him have his highest snap percentage. It was basically identical to Metcalf and Lockett for the first time all year coming off of the bye, coinciding with that post-bye kick for rookies mixed with the fact that the tackles are healthier. I don't think the ceiling path is there for the, for him, but I definitely think somewhere somewhere in the middle where he'll he'll have somebody's going to have to roster him. And the other thing that jumped out to me from um, you know your discussion and your points were Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers uh, got me going on the deep dive research, and I said it on last week's podcast with Marcus, and I was actually wrong. I wanted to uh, state that is. Uh, the the fact on the 209 pound running backs you see hn hurt as a as an undersized running back already and you see gibbs not taking off as being severely under that 209 mark that's a historic mark for running backs weight um we were talking about uh tajay spears and for some reason i thought i saw him at 210 or 215 he's actually 200 so right after that podcast was over, I was like, man, I got to make sure I get that back out that he is similar to Gibbs in, in stature. So uh, I'll always be one to, uh, you know, try to put uh, a little bit of deodorant on a mistake and own up to it when uh, whenever I do say something like that. So those were things that I appreciate that you're. You're, you're smelling better already, buddy. Like, I, yeah. I do appreciate that. So, yeah, it just, I, I will tell you. So, the one thing that I, I kind of do want to draw attention to for our listeners as well with rookie running backs, because something you see very, very often, you got to remember these guys are coming out of colleges, sometimes smaller colleges. They're not all like the Gibbs with the Alabama's programs, but like they don't have the dietitians, they don't have like the weight programs and things like that, the strength and conditioning coaches and stuff that once they get to the NFL, it's very, very common that you see these guys add that 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. However, you know, maybe like a Ty J Spears or somebody like that could bulk up. However, with somebody like an HN, 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 whatever we're calling them these days, I said it on, a, on the SYNC episode two, we've never seen a running back carry the workload and be productive with that size since war done. Yeah. He's going to have to follow a path of how uh, Darren Sproles just was hyper-efficient on 10 to 14 touches a game. Um, getting into uh, the second question here, and it, it segues beautifully talking about the second half breakouts, is uh, some of these guys might break out due to you know trades and whatnot. And uh, we're about uh, right around two weeks away from the NFL trade deadline. And you know some of the some of the guys that are continuously being rumored to be moved and most of these guys are rumored to be moved because they're in the last year of their contract on teams that frankly don't appear like they're going to have a chance to win so just like in dynasty uh football trying to get whatever you can for an, an aging uh asset you do it they do it in the nfl as well so uh hollywood brown you're hearing a lot of jerry judy you're here in courtland sutton and you're here in Hopkins, uh, all of them are right at the end of their contract. Obviously, all those teams are struggling. Some of the teams that you're hearing that are wide receiver needy are the Kansas City Chiefs, which is everybody's dream. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, because they're trying to, they're realizing Thielen's older and they're trying to have a, a wide receiver one, you've heard them say. Uh, surprisingly, you're hearing a lot about the Jets and the Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots can never draft correctly so they have to trade for their wide receivers and 
surprisingly, I don't know if they think Aaron Rodgers is coming back and they need an upgrade because he's going to be a statue in the pocket, but you're hearing the Jets actually come up for a wide receiver two candidate. So thoughts? Uh, well, I don't know if you saw earlier today, the Jets just shipped a wide receiver and they actually just traded Hardman back to Kansas City. So I, did, I think that, I did not see yeah, that. it just happened literally, I think maybe an hour or two ago, like this afternoon. Oh, wow. So thought that was kind of wild, um, especially just for Kansas City's wide receiver room again. Obviously, they're looking for something. I know Hardman's talented, and I guess he fits that system, but like, it's just like another Kadarius Tony Skymore Hardman type player. I feel like they're all in that same kind of bucket. Now, um, the one thing I got, I do have to ask you, because a guy that I know you're high on, I'm high on him. We have him in Dino. Um, I've been trying to keep him as a speculative stash. What does a move of a Judy or Sutton out of Denver? do for Marvin the Martian Mims? Mainly in Dynasty Fantasy Football, it, it's Sean Payton trying to tank for Caleb Williams and reuniting the Oklahoma former Oklahoma Sooners and Caleb Williams and, and Mims, which would be music to my ears because I have Mims in a million, million and one leagues. <laughs> so we would love that. But uh, Mims is one of those guys that's a rocket ship. If somebody has a good team and they need a firecracker on the end of their bench that could literally completely go nuclear metrics and analytics wise. There's only one receiver in the league uh, that even compares on a much grander stage and with more of a sample size. And that's Tyreek Hill. So even if Mims started playing the majority of the snaps and he cut down his efficiency to 25% of what it currently is, that would just make him an average NFL receiver. If he happened to cut it to 50% of what his efficiency is right now, he would be an all pro level wide receiver. So players like that are guys that you take a stab on. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I, I um, wholeheartedly agree. I had a, actually a, a conversation with um, Andy. Hey, second, second time you got mentioned on this episode, buddy, good for you, man. Um, but sec, I actually had a conversation with Andy, we co-managed the league too. And I was like, man, we have to stash this guy. We have to get men, men's on our bench. We have to stash him. And, you know, Andy's argument was the snap percentage, if he's so talented and he's so great, he's like, I think Peyton hates him. His snap percentage isn't going up. I countered that with, listen, Peyton is trying to trade out either Sutton or Judy. He's not going to feature Mims. He's going to feature those guys trying to increase their value, trying to gain some, some sort of maybe, you know, teams wanting him around the league. And then once he ships those guys out, Peyton is that offensive mind that will use Mims the way Mims probably should be used. He is always, Peyton has always been his guys. You saw him trade for, uh, well, what's the wide receiver? Uh, Travion Smith or something that they, that they just <laughs> traded for. Obviously, Adam Troutman. I mean, you've seen him recycle a bunch of players that were his guys all through the New Orleans tenure, so it is what it is. Um, to finish out this topic, though, I wanted to hear your uh, thoughts on the running back room where there's two monster players that could be moved, and that's Saquon Barkley. And I think it's almost a guarantee that Derrick Henry will be moved. That that team's going nowhere with Tannehill being hurt and whatnot. They're, they need to totally hit the restart button. The teams that you're hearing are like marquee teams. You're hearing uh, the the Eagles which if you put Derrick Henry, anybody that's watched the replays of DeAndre Swift running through holes that look like a dump truck could go through them, 
everybody knows if, if Derrick Henry gets a head start and gets his momentum going, he's like that one Marvel character that would run through walls once he gets his momentum where he can't stop him. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Juggernaut, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so the Eagles, I mean, would just be ridiculous for some of these running backs, but specifically Henry, because they already have Swift, and the next running back wouldn't fit with Swift because he's similar in, in Saquon Barkley. But you're hearing the Eagles, the Bills, and you still are hearing a drumbeat, unbelievably, for um, Miami, which would be almost like a Kansas City situation for a running back. You know, so thoughts? I'll I mean, tell you. I mean, if Henry, if Henry goes, if Henry goes to Philadelphia, the tush push or the the brotherly shove, as they're calling it, would go for like twenty yards every time. Like yeah. I, it just would be the thing. They would. I, I don't know who would stop that. Like Henry yeah. is an absolute mutant. He's a freak of nature. The guy is absolutely massive. It makes no sense how fast that guy can run for being how big he is. Um, him and Philly, who's gonna stop him? I mean, it, it's just that would be that would be fun to watch. Um, Barkley, I I don't know. I I don't. I haven't really heard much. Like I don't know where he would land. I don't know where he's gonna go. You know, he's got that. You know, anywhere that Barkley does land, you know, he's gonna have that that contract kind of situation looming over him. So you know, maybe a team tries to get him on a one year rental, but then it's a matter of okay, well, they can only pay so much to get him on that one year rental. So they're not gonna look at signing that guy long term. I, I just think like his options are gonna be limited. But Henry is that perfect candidate end of a contract, kind of older in years. Hey, if we're making a Super Bowl push, let's grab that guy and let me, you can just ride his back probably all the way to that Lombardi trophy. Absolutely, totally agree. Uh, getting into the third beer of this six pack, um, little uh, segment we're trying to get rolling uh, is gonna be trade targets or target practice. Trade targets would be guys that, you know, maybe are on the up and up. They're coming off of an injury. Something's changed that's about to vault them. And uh, obviously target practice would be a guy that frustrates you so much on your team that you just want to put them on a skeet shoot and just launch it out there and, and take pot shots with a 12 gauge and just good riddance, get rid of the guy. Uh, any candidates that you're seeing that you're, you know, doing the old fashioned buy sell type yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, I do want to kind of touch on my, my thoughts on like trading, right? Because I think trading, it's an art and it's a necessity of fantasy football. Like you're not going to win very much. If, you're not going to win ships if you don't actually tinker and make some moves. And if you actually don't try to find ways that you can even almost take advantage of other teams. Um, so with trading, you usually kind of fall into one or two buckets in my mind. If you're winning, you go after the losing squads, right? Take advantage of them, put your foot on their neck. Hey, these guys are desperate. Go you know, poach them from those super talented players that they maybe need to get rid of. And then on the other side of that, if you're losing, it might be time to take one of those big names and ship them off to try to fill a couple gaps in your roster. You got to remember too, people love the name value. They don't really necessarily look at the numbers as much as they do as the name. And a lot of times that name is worth more than the actual numbers that those of the production numbers that those players are playing. Um, so with doing that, you know, hey, when you're going after these guys, like I did it today, I just got a hold of JJ and I got him pretty, pretty cheap. And it was from a team that was, you know, a little bit struggling. You're kind of feeling that like, oh, I might not make the playoffs. I'm kind of on the outside looking in. I got to make some moves. Injury riddled. So, hey, when that opportunity comes, go at those guys like the JJs, the D-Mons. Now's the time that you might be able to get them. You might be able to spring them for pretty, pretty cheap. 
Um, some of the guys that I'm targeting, right? Um, hey, I said a couple of weeks ago, and I stand by it. Two weeks ago, before Cup came back, the time to sell Puka was that. He was at all probably an all-time high. Cup was not going to help his value. Cup was only going to hurt it. Now, however, people are very, very, what have you done for me lately? And the recency bias is real. So when you have Puka coming off a game where he just had where he's like four for 24, very low output, lowest output of the season, maybe people are not worried. I missed out on the opportunity to sell him. Cups back, it's Cups, Cups the wide receiver there, and it's him and everybody else. Maybe make a play at Puka. Maybe make a stab at him. You might be able to get him cheap. A couple other guys that I really, really like. One of them was Waddle, right? Waddle was, you know, we saw him produce last year. Guy exploded. He had some monster games. This year he's kind of been nicked. He's kind of been hurt. You have Reek the Cheetah on the other side of the field that's keeping DCs up all night long. They're going to try to stop him and key, on him, key in on him, which then opens up the other side of the field for Waddle. I really do like Waddle going forward. I think he's also a good buy low candidate because the production hasn't been there yet, but I think it's coming. Jacobs, very, very similar. RB1, I think, probably. RB1 last year, monster season. Kind of been a little bit, eh, lacks data this year. Not that exciting. Again, if you need a running back, you might be able to spring him cheap. You might have a very frustrated owner and go after him. And then this one, I say with caution. I almost want to call it an honorable mention. If I'm wrong on this, do not come find me. I didn't tell you to do this. Do this at your own risk because I hate recommending a New England player. But I will tell you the schedule for Mondre. For Ramondre Stevenson gets very, very running back friendly moving forward. And I guarantee you can get him probably for pennies on the dollar. Other honorable mention I want to mention is just Zona in general. You got Kyler Murray coming back. Your schedule kind of gets nice. They have a very, very, very friendly playoff schedule. So if you can get one of those Hollywoods, the Michael Wilsons, or maybe even play with that backfield or hell, even just land Kyler Murray, might be something to go after. Now, players that I'm playing target practice with that I'm putting their faces on a pumpkin and trying to pump it with a shotgun. First and foremost, Ridley. Guys burned me. I got him in a couple leagues. I don't know what to do with the guy. I know there's people saying trade for him, but what I've seen and what I've seen from Lawrence is that Lawrence likes to spread the ball around. Gotta love that, right? Good quarterbacks usually do. However, what he does is he keys in on one pass catcher each week. It might be a Zay Jones, I'm sorry. It might be a Kirk week. It might be an Ingram week. It might be a Ridley week. You don't know which one it's gonna be and it's impossible to predict. And now you got Zay Jones coming back. Me, I'm trying to get rid of Ridley if I can get something for him. Try to sell him today. The guy wanted Nico Collins instead of Ridley, which obviously makes a little bit of sense, but just shows you that people aren't really that high on Ridley. Henry, we talked about him too. I think his schedule is a beaut. His schedule is going to be really, really nice going forward. However, what scares me about him, and it also scares me about the next player, is his injury history, right? The guy is 29. He's got 2,000 touches on those tires. He's a big, big man, and I you already kind of see him trying to phase in Tajay a little bit more to maybe try to preserve him. And I think that's going to happen more and more if, God forbid, he doesn't get hurt. And the other one, too, which this is a hard one to say, but your value for Mostert is at an all-time high. Granted, I know he's probably RB1 right now in most leagues. However, if you look back on his season, the guy is made of glass. He, Other than last year, I don't think he's ever survived a full season. He's a journeyman running back that's wound up in a very, very perfect scenario. However, you have Jeff Wilson coming back. You're going to have A-Train coming back. And Mostert's injury history scares me. I think if you have the luxury of being able to ship a running back and you need help elsewhere, Mostert might be a piece that you want to move. Last but not least, and this is a very bold take, kind of going out on a limb here, Kenneth Walker. I think he might be somebody you want to consider looking at moving. And this is why. Schedule gets a little tough, right? It's a 
fuck, it's a it's a tough diet. It's a tough division. You got San Francisco. You got you know LA is playing really really good. They're on the outside of that. They're not winning that division, so they're going to be on the outside looking in, trying to grab on those other playoff spots. If that schedule beats up on them more, if they start to struggle more and more, I think what you're going to start to see them is start to try to feature more of those younger players. You might get a little bit more Charbonnet. He's floating around that 25% snap share right now, but they might try to see what they have with him and the JSNs a little bit more. So again, bold take. If you sell them and you, it bites you, do not come looking for me. Mike, thoughts? Sometimes when I hear you say intelligent things, it just angers me. And uh, as much as I hate you and all of the leagues that I play against you in, and I only love you in one where we co-owned a team that's never not won a championship. Um, I just, it, you're irritating when you say smart stuff. So I agree with you on virtually every take that you had in there. Uh, some of them are stronger opinions than others, but I love 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 trading so everybody that knows me from any of these leagues that's watching this um i wanted to at least add in verbally a couple guys uh josh jacobs he just got 30 touches last week when do you ever have a guy get 30 touches and nobody's even talking about him he's number one in running back usage he's getting healthier from sitting out the preseason he's a target C.D. Lamb, just like A.J. Brown crying and whining for targets and not being utilized. Now all of a sudden Dak Prescott sitting in front of a microphone in front of him, and now he's pumping him nine for 117, and I imagine that'll go forward. Uh, Brees Hall's obvious. I don't even know if they're going to trade Delvin Cook or not. If you can get Brees Hall and you're – everybody needs running backs. Brees Hall, if he wasn't injured, might have been a top three or four pick in the in the league this year. He's young. He's explosive. He's an absolute superstar. I He might be one of my favorite players in all of fantasy football. Um, sells. Ryan Robinson, that dream first couple of weeks, that's over with. That, that offense is a disaster. Besides Howell kind of giving you garbage time um, and just kind of stance that you don't even know how he accrues them, that offense is a whack-a-mole. It's a disaster. Damian Pierce. Who knows what's going on there? I can't believe how good their offense is. If you would have told me Shroud would have been this good with all these pass catchers, I would have told you Damian Pierce would have been to the moon. He's a player that give that landmine to somebody else in your league. I tried to make a trade. Uh, <laughs> I did make a trade, and I used Damian Pierce as bait, and the, the guy wanted Jalen Warren over the starting running back. And I, I was like, I mean, to make the trade go through, I'll, I'll give you who you want. But I could not believe that you wanted a timeshare running back on a crappy offense over the starter of an offense that's actually pretty good. And then lastly, I have Kelvin Rid Ridley written too. I have him in so many leagues. And it's one of those guys that you want to put that landmine on somebody else's team. Just get get let that become somebody else's problem and, and let them – be like, oh my God, I can't believe I have Kelvin Ridley. Oh my God, I can't believe I have so-and-so. Like, let them deal with the problems of that and get somebody that actually has some production going. You know, can, speaking- Can I circle back on one of these guys real quick? I want to dive into one because I have them too. And I swear, and infuriates me is that I actually picked him over Kenneth Walker, is that Damian Pierce too. Blows my mind at first. Okay, so at first I blamed it on, hey, they're down four, there are five offensive linemen. They're maybe these guys pass block better than they run block, so that's why you're seeing Stroud air it out. 
But that offensive line's gotten healthy. And then you see Damian Pierce go from like 20 touches to like 24 carries for like 60 yards too, like averaging like three yards, two yards a carry, which is ridiculous, to then just disappear last week. And I know Singletary is a talented back, very, very talented, but I was not worried about Singletary preseason. Like it never even concerned me the least. But is Singletary a thing? Is he here to stay? Is he going to keep eating Damian's lunch like he has been? Like what, what what's going on? I am watching the scenario and you didn't see me pick up Singletary in our main league because I feel <clears throat> I feel like he's a jag of a guy. And unless they gave him 70 or 80% of the opportunities, I don't really think he could take off. And Pierce doesn't make any sense to me. So when something doesn't make sense to you and there's no obvious variables that you can put into it, it tells me there's something either coaching-wise blocking wise or something he's not injured he's not old he barely got touches at florida he's in the best shape of his life it's not like he's been overused he was a darling metric wise last year a broken tackle percentage and yards after contact and all that something's going on there so pierce if you can get him for a, a, an empty pack of cigarettes right now he's not a bad guy because their offensive line will get healthier and healthier. And I really do believe there's talent there. At some point, it needs to make sense to me. Unless something comes out that nobody knew about and he has an MCL injury that they didn't report or something. If he can't succeed there, which I saw more from him last year than I've ever seen from Singletary in his career. If he can't succeed there, then then I don't think anybody else is. So I think it's pointless to to get another, you know, running back is, in the mix. Because if it's a timeshare, you're not going to want either one of them. So why even grab Singletary? No. So you let know? me ask you a question: How close? I mean, how close in twelve man leagues is he to droppable? The running back I've gone on and looked at waiver wire for running back, and it is literally. Like you're scrolling and you get to running backs that are retired pretty quickly. Like you sit there and you're scrolling and all of a sudden Deuce McAllister comes up as the 51st best running back. And you're like, this guy's been retired for like 10 years and stuff. So he's a warm body. He's young. The offense is actually pretty good. So I, I believe uh, you have to hold him because there's nothing else you can do for him unless you're throwing him in. As, as a piece in a trade, it's pointless to get rid of him because you're not going to get anything for him. Um, yeah, I think that's that's just been my frustration. Just like just just the like you can't do anything with them, right? You want to throw that grenade over the fence, you want to throw it in enemy territory, but you can't. Like they'll throw it right back. But um, but yeah, I think hey, appreciate your insight on that. I do want to kind of move on though because I am so excited to hear you talk about your absolute favorite wide receiver ever. Speaking of a guy not performing that actually has talent, and then like a guy that, like Steve Smith with Jerry Judy, I would actually take a shot at Adam Thielen. I, I really think I could take him out. Um, history on him, because this is like a personal like rant, like I'm taking advantage of this podcast, 2019, third drop for Andy. I'm playing Andy in the finals. He shakes my hand. He concedes the he concedes the victory in the finals to me. 
I got three players going and I need 29 points. I got a, I got a, a kicker, a flex running back, and I have Adam Thielen coming off of three top 10 seasons. And he had been on uh, injured reserve and then they delayed bringing him back. This is like obviously 2019. All I need is 29 points combined from all these guys. So the the kicker slips by, the the flex slips by. I still need like 13 points on Monday Night Football. This butt nugget goes out there and not only did not accrue a point, he actually cost me negative points. Like how is that even possible? He had like one catch for like negative yardage and then fumbled the ball or something where it actually cost me points. And I swore I would never, ever, ever have him on another team again. I was so mad. And then this year through waivers, because nobody drafted him, I accidentally deep into my waivers somehow was like, there's no way this situation's going to unfold where he'll end up on my team. But the waivers fell in a perfect way where he ended up on my team. And p- people were probably like, why did I immediately go and drop a player that is showing analytically that he has value that makes no sense? And that right away, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy's on my team. So even though I knew he had value, I dropped him because I hate him so much. But this idiot is on pace right now for 135 catches for just shy of 1,500 yards and 11 TDs. Are you are you kidding me right now? All of us Wait. that have Kelvin Ridley's that are underperforming and guys that are Damian Pierce's and guys that you stuck your neck out for. And now you have Adam Thielen's dead body and carcass going out there for 135, How much? 15, 11. How much? Well, I think we need, I think, I think the listeners, I didn't hear you. I know the listeners probably are. They think that we're now, they're probably tuning out. Like, oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about. No. Can you reiterate that stat line again, yeah. what he's on pace for? 135. 1,511. Mind you, Michael Thomas's famous year was 149 for 1,709 and nine. He's getting two more touchdowns and only 15 less catches and 200 less yards as Michael Thomas's dominant PPR season, Adam Thielen. So if you're an owner that has them, I hate when people do stupid things and they get benefited for it. I don't want to hear you sit there and, and bloviate about how smart you are. No, you're not, dude. You're just getting a magical moment in time where this guy's a total dead carcass, and somehow the fantasy gods are laughing at all of us by sitting here and pumping that season right now. I hate him. I hate him so much. Ooh. Cost me a sixth title, you be... bozo. My... I know we're only like a few episodes in, but I think this is now becoming my, my one of my favorite moments. One, I love to share. I love hearing you be miserable. Like it, it's just enjoyable. But uh, yeah, that, yeah. Well, Adam Thielen, hey, you have a personal invite from me, Ryan Carroll. If you would ever like to come on to Functional Fanaholics and defend your integrity with this joker right here, the door is wide open, sir. I will have you on any time you want. He comes on for that interview. I'm going to have a Steve Smith jersey on. Believe that. <laughs> so moving the pod on to the fifth question, or the fifth beer, we'll call it. Um, Bipocalypse. Uh, thoughts on it? Thoughts on how to deal with it? Like, what's, what's your strategy when you know a week like this is coming up? First and foremost, 
I have a strategy that I want to give Mr. Goodell because I swear to God, I am so overly frustrated with the way this guy does bye weeks. And granted, I know it's more for the NFL and they're not building, ooh, that looks tasty. They're not building um, schedules up on the wall like they used to and having to figure out like all that. Like it's more, you know, it's like we have technology now. It makes it a lot easier. I don't understand why you have fantasy football community that literally can't put numbers to it. But like if it wasn't for fantasy football, the NFL would not be as big as it was. Like it's just facts. So you have now this week, you have the Titans, the Texans, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Panthers. And the Bengals, kind of six teams on buys. Doesn't it make sense to you that why don't we just run buys like, I don't know, week five through week 13 and just put four teams on a buy each week and just call it a day and just make it easy, make it seamless, make it consistent? I don't know. Makes too much sense to me. But then again, I'm not running the NFL and I'm just a, a lonely fantasy football player. But what I will tell you, you got to get creative, right? You have seven teams on a buy. Like I have. One of my one of my teams, I think the entire bench is buys. Like I didn't even know how I was gonna be able to start a full roster this week. I don't know if you had lucky, but you gotta get creative, right? You're probably gonna be turning to unknown commodities, you know. Like I know a lot of people are gonna be pushing in Zach Evans this week and have no idea what they're gonna get from him, but they don't have a choice, right? You have people that are probably gonna be holding out for that Monday night football game and hope that CMC is in play so that maybe they can put in a Mason or an Elijah Mitchell, right? Yeah, you're going to see Keontae Ingrams. You're going to see the Kareem Hunts. You're going to see those type of players a lot. And if you run into a team that's in bye week heck, sorry, parents, hell, um, why did I just correct it? Non-swear word with the swear word. That was actually backwards from what we're trying to do. But maybe I'll take that out and post that. Uh, but anyways, but if you know if you're running into one of those teams, like you're you're happy, right? You're thrilled that you maybe have like a little easy bye week. So one of the things that you might have to do is you might have to get creative. And one of the things that I've seen people do and what I've tried to do trade take a bench commodity take one of those stashes even if it's not a blockbuster trade it's just a little like peanuts for peanuts type trade but it helps fill your roster and gets you through the week just do it pull the trigger do it don't sacrifice a week wins are too hard to come by points are too hard to come by do not go in short staffed get that do whatever you have to do to fill that roster and make sure that you come with uh with a fully loaded gun this week yeah, absolutely agree. You gotta each people don't try to win enough. It's like you want to hold on to a commodity, not realizing there's only 14 weeks, and you getting the the difference between five or six wins and seven, eight, nine wins in making the playoffs is is sometimes separated by one or two games. So when people pump these weeks, just find a resolution. If you have a, a trade asset that's a 15 on a trade chart, and you trade it for somebody that their bye week is until week 11, just trade them. If you take a small loss on the player, but you win this week, you'll figure the rest out later. Kick that can down the road. Just try to win each week. You have to try. Matthew Berry always says this. The goal is to win each week. It doesn't have to be pretty. Just make it happen. All these other people have suffered too. So find a solution because at the end of the year, when you're one game short of making the playoffs and you held on to some, you know, 20th receiver overall in the overall standings and you could have traded the, you know, somebody that was the, you know, for the 26th best receiver, but maybe made the playoffs because you avoided his bye week, just do what you got to do to make the playoffs. Um, 
Speaking of this topic of the bipocalypse, it's report card season. We're halfway through. You're five and one. You know what I'm saying? You're four and two. You're one and five. You know, this is your first report card. You know where your team stands and what you need. If you're an elite player, you sit there and you know when you're making these trades, hey, let's try to get a player that, you know, I'm five and oh, going into last week, I can make a trade for a player because if I lose, it's not going to squash me if it makes me better for the fantasy playoffs. As tiebreakers with players that you have that maybe you're trading for, maybe you're you're pick, you're thinking about picking up a Marvin Mims or something like that, and you peek at his playoff schedule, it's totally paramount to not only make it to the playoffs, but give yourself a chance to win. There's nothing more frustrating than having the Miami Dolphins carry you all the way to the fantasy playoffs. And then when you finally get there, I guarantee nobody listening to this realizes Miami has a absolutely garbage playoff schedule. All their quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, they're terrible. So instead of having the 70-point week where everybody eats, maybe only one or two players eat and they have good games, but they don't win you the week. Like some of the, I mean, Miami's probably a terrible example because you're going to hold on to these players anyhow, but don't expect the 13 for 233 and three from Tyreek. You might have to be happy with the seven for 101 and one, and maybe that doesn't win you the week. Uh, Don't memorize this, but start to use this information. Like top, you know, passers and, and wide receivers and tight end schedules, Dallas usable assets number one overall best schedule cincinnati jamar chase you know t higgins eventually coming back around the baltimore ravens you know they're they have a, a, a obviously an elite passing game uh they're actually passing more than the running now and then the minnesota vikings another attack that has multiple weapons i hate saying this because ryan just acquired um you know a beautiful set of breasts to match a, a peach booty with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson on the same team. And they both have a tremendous playoff schedule. So I hope you missed the playoffs. Um, pass catchers in, in, in uh, passers that have a terrible schedule, the Saints with the Lave, 26. So that, I mean, do the reverse math on that. It means they have the sixth worst schedule, the Browns, Amari Cooper, 27th, uh, the Chargers, Keenan Allen, you know, some other passing weapons. 28th, Miami. I mean, uh, you're not going to trade these guys, but realize you might not get the blow up game with them being the 29th. So, really, the third worst, you know, playoff schedule. Uh, getting into some running backs, Tennessee. If you hold on to Derrick Henry and he stays alive, they have, they have Houston twice. They're, I mean, Derrick Henry, if you get into the playoffs, you, you might win because of them. The, the one that really catches my attention is Philadelphia because Swift. If he somehow stays alive and they don't acquire anybody else, Philadelphia has the third easiest run schedule. Talk about a cheap running back you didn't spend a lot on that could end up being a league winner in the fantasy playoffs. Bijan Robinson of Atlanta is the fifth, and Tyler Algier. And then uh, Jonathan Taylor is ninth. So those are some elite running backs that you're going to want. Tony Pollard in Dallas is 27th. Travis Etienne in uh, the Jaguars is 28th. Walker, who you said you might want to sell, they have the 29th worst schedule. And then Miami, whoever's there, once again, I wouldn't sell them because of it, but you might want to lower your expectation. 
they have the second worst schedule. They have the 31st best schedule in the fantasy playoffs. My point to this is if you're an elite fantasy player and you're always several steps ahead of your league mates, start looking at stuff like this and treat it as a tiebreaker because you don't want to work for three or four months to get to the playoffs and then all of a sudden look at your elite asset playing against the best pass defense or the best run defense in the league and sit there and cry and moan because you lost because that player had it done. There's one guy and one team that I think you missed um, who I love, and it probably might be a little bit harder to get. You're not going to get him cheap, but I think Pacheco and his running schedule, and I think that you're going to see Casey lean on the run a little bit more, but Pacheco's schedule is beautiful down the stretch. I'll leave it at that. He's our he's our son. We both love him. All right, functional fanaholics. We're back with our technically our very first guest, uh, Spartan Rage. His real name is Mike, and God knows I I can be fancied by another Mike. How you doing, bud? Excited to be here. Excited to drop some dibs on you guys. Share some fantasy and uh, talk some smack. Excited to go. Hey, you better uh, you better enjoy this because with all that Spartan garbage you got on, this is the last time you're going to be on. Unless yeah, I can you change tell you. that name to Wolverine Rage, then you can come back on. Hey, I tell you what, you guys might curb stomp us this weekend, but we all know at the end it's Spartan through and through. You may enjoy the win Saturday, but the rest of the year you're going to be sitting sadly in the gutter, sucking on your Walmart Wolverine gear and sitting there wondering, oh, here man, we go. I'm, bringing, I'm bringing graduates on stage and they're going to be talking smack, <laughs> dropping divots and making me look stupid. So, all right, <laughs> let's do it. I do like that it's only Wednesday and you're already conceding the loss. So that, that says a lot. That says you know what? Uh, that, you know, we don't look good. We're not disciplined. Blake Corum's for real. JJ's dropping dimes left and right. That defense is good. And we both know Harbaugh doesn't pull his first round guys out, even if you're up 70 to nothing against Sisters Mary of the Poor or Albion College. He's still going to continue to run up the score no matter what. And if his khaki's tied on too tight, it doesn't matter. He's still going to go through and drop that. It doesn't matter. We both know that it's a foregone conclusion. I'm willing to admit that. But the fact <laughs> remains is you're going to enjoy a win on Saturday, but then you're going to be hurting hard on Sunday because by the end of the day, Sunday night, Spartans winning. Hey, thanks for thanks for coming on. Toast. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. So to get into uh, – some questions that uh, we want to send in your direction. Ryan and, Ryan and I had discussed, this feels a little bit like, like mid-movie of uh, Step Brothers, where at first they were like at each other's throat, and as time went on, they realized they were more of the same person, and they're kicking watermelons in the garage, and they're like, wait a minute, did we just become best friends? I mean, are you getting that vibe? Amen. Amen. You know, people ask all the time, why do you get into fantasy? And fantasy is all about the relationships. You know, we're all do it for the people that we interact with. My wife teases me. It's my dad's support group. I spend hours on the phone with my buddies. And then at the very end of it, go, oh, by the way, would you trade me Rain Mostert? <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I will add. So on that mic, I do got to add. So my mic. Michael, this bike, middle bike, whichever. I don't remember yeah, yeah. This is gonna get really confusing, especially if you're just listening. This is gonna get even more confusing. This mic, my mic, functional fanaholics mic, 
likes to kind of tout himself as always the smartest man in the room. He likes to try to like manipulate other people to kind of like think like he thinks and he kind of does his little puppet master little trick. So over the course of our several years playing in the same dynasty league, Mike planted the seed in my head that you were our nemesis and that I had to hate you and I had to despise you and that we had to beat you at every step of the way that we had to beat you on trades. We had to beat you in the matchups. All I know is I've been bred to hate you, but love the energy, love almost everything about you except your attire and all the green. But this is happy to have you on the show, buddy, and happy to turn over new lease with you. Excited to be here. No, you can hate me all you want. All I know is I've been gaining ground since day one, <laughs> slowly, slowly tipping away. I'm not going to lie. You guys winning the championship last year killed me as I watched Jalen Hurts go down, Lamar Jackson go down, and you guys slink your way right into the playoffs when you didn't even belong there, and then everybody curled out of their way, let you go, hey, man, yeah. I, you know, I've never been a big smart talk guy, especially with guys you don't know, but you guys earned it, and I gotta give you that. But your Thank reign you. of terror is over. It's over. I tell you what. After I'm seeing Kelsey get nicked, after seeing Kelsey get nicked, and then having CMC go down, I I, I almost texted Mike. I'm like, it's sell everything. We need Caleb. Like sell, sell, sell. We had uh, we had one kryptonite on our team, and then a super flex. We're rolling Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, and all we need is two hands on the steering wheel when you're rolling Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Kelsey, Bijan Robinson. All we needed was two hands on the wheel with all of our flex, you know, Alaves and Ridleys and Pachecos and all these guys to put in there. As soon as Rodgers went down, it just, uh, even though we're five and one and we lead, lead everything in points, yeah. It's like a little bit of kryptonite showing, and everybody in this league is holding on to their uh, elite quarterback pieces. Uh, Fugazi, like a little bit of a Fugazi going on always, there. Always, always. In, in Superflex, the hardest thing to obtain is always a quarterback. That's yeah. why you saw me earlier in the year go, quickly give up Pollard and Meyer to go ahead and get one more because that one you more. Savvy, you got you some guys savvy traits right now. Yeah. You had yeah. some savvy trades. I, I've been well, uh, a couple of the past couple of years. I mean, I'll give respect for respect is due. And your some of your trades, man. I was jealous of a couple of them, and some were just super, super savvy. I'm impressed that you can pull hey, off. So. You guys outmaneuvered me on digs. I was I was working digs hard, and then all of a sudden, trade went through. I thought, yep, yeah. dang it, not Deontay. Oh man, that killed me. So no. You know, you know what's one thing that we're missing a huge opportunity on right now? You know when you watch late night talk shows where celebrities will read tweets about themselves? How funny would this be to text message conversations between me and Ryan to you? Because they're all saved in our fantasy chat from years ago about you and have you read them live. Like, I swear to God, wherever this dude is, we want to drive there and kick him right in the fucking teeth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just so mad. Like, I, I absolutely can't stand this guy so much. Oh, now. And then I told okay. Ryan, I told Ryan, I'm like, once we meet this guy or once you meet this guy, because I've talked to him, he's like a, a lovable teddy bear, teddy bear of like fantasy goodness and fantasy passion. And you're going to absolutely, uh, absolutely love him. So let's. Uh, 
let's start this uh, interview with a couple of uh, softball questions, and then uh, we'll we'll get into the the meat and uh, potatoes of uh, a deeper conversation. Um, exactly how early in our dynasty run that first you know rookie draft or or rather our startup draft into the early season like at what point did you realize that you hated us had it been double back to back cmc followed up with uh i was it kelsey yeah some savvy picks back to back i identified pretty early that you guys knew what you were doing with that i mean that that hurt I thought I could trade back, accrue additional value, additional value, knowing that people, by the time you get in the third, fourth, fifth round, people tend to grab guys that they want. You start to get some fallers. I could accrue some additional value through that way. You know, I hit some, I lost some. OBJ hurt me really bad. DJ Moore a couple of years hurt me pretty bad. I mean, I was able to recover, obviously, but no, you guys have been made some savvy moves. And then always the smack talk, you know, smack talk guys you don't know. That's not my thing, you know. You always heard like, you know, but uh, that was that was that was it. No, you guys made smart moves right from the very beginning of the draft, and I realized I had to, you know, I couldn't I couldn't make mistakes. Uh, would uh, Would you say at this point that you view the two of us as heroes of yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanos, Thanos died in the end. <laughs> well we only had two mike we had three more to go or four yeah. was there six stones five stones yeah three more to go it was it was five stones but if you remember he tried once and he died the second time so make sure you chop off ryan's head leave me here please I go have a for the mic. head yeah ryan, well. ryan has no kids he, you can chop his head off you can be thor for halloween and take not his many head people off. are gonna miss me yeah. Well, you go ahead and you see, you look on there, there, there aren't any weaknesses. Thor went ahead and made a mistake, went for the body. You don't see me going for the body. So I, I got a question, though, for you. On that note, so you're talking about a couple of guys that kind of burned you and dino and stuff in our startup yeah. and everything. Um, one of the questions I always love to ask, and sorry, Mike, if I'm beating you to it, but do you have anybody on your do not draft list? Like, like who hurt you over the years? What player just royally burned you? Like, where on the dial did they kind of touch you kind of thing? Like, like... Do you have anybody that under no circumstances do you ever want coming close to one of your fantasy football teams ever again? You know, yes and no. Yes and no. DJ Moore is right up there, you know, because I, I got him early, keep going, but I can't quit him. Like, gosh, all the time you look at his, he just has a phenomenal profile. That guy coming in was generational in terms of, like, he was right up there with OBJ in terms of everything that he looked. He checked all the boxes, and then he just kept, couldn't doing it. This year, continuing right up until this last, the game last week, he still hasn't done it. Like, that just hurts, but I just can't quit him because all he needs is a functional quarterback to go ahead and hit the ball downstream and not, not make him just keep running these slants over the middle with an eight out of 3.5. Like, just get the guy the ball in space, let him work. You know, we're finally starting to see that before a busted thumb here. But, you know, he's absolutely – but no, because situations change, you know. Yeah, we talk, you know, Stefan Diggs, for example, when he was in Minnesota, he was meh. And then all of a sudden he went to Buffalo and he was completely unlocked. You know, we all thought when Tyreek left Kansas City and went over to Miami that he was no longer going to compete because Tua stinks. 
no. And then here we see Tyreek continue being Tyreek. You know, so we keep seeing these evidences coming across. You know, I've been playing since, you know, 2000. I'm sorry if I interrupted. But you keep seeing trends here of guys that are studs will come back. And, like, just because they're not doing it one year doesn't mean they can't do it the next. Now, that doesn't mean completely hang on to your priors, but that means you got to be fluid with it, too. So I'm not going to say there's anybody on there. But, like, guys like Christian Watson, you know, who had, like, one month of being absolutely awesome, and then he's never done anything since. I'm not going to go and pay market price for him now. You know, as we get into guys, like, going off on Jonathan Mingo. Like, Jonathan Mingo is being outdone by LaVisca Chenault. You know, they're making plays for LaVisca Chenault, getting him involved in the running game and the passing game. You're seeing him with dots all over the place. I mean, he's got a higher snap percentage, or excuse me, in route runs and all that than Mingo. I mean, so I wouldn't say that there's guys that I refuse to draft. I say there's guys that I might refuse to draft at current ADP because situations can change and whatnot. I hold personal branches like a lot of time in my flight on some Yeah. So yes or no, and you don't have to elaborate on this answer. Are you an Adam Thielen fan? Man, not only an Adam Thielen fan, I am mind blown at the hate that people were dropping on him. Adam Thielen, everyone said he's 33 years old. He's completely washed. Yet here we see Carolina signing him at a three-year, 25 million, 14 guaranteed, and they're going to put him in the slot. Like, excuse me? And then guess where he was going in startups? 16th round. We had guys like, yeah, we had, excuse me, we had Mingo going in the 10th, Quentin Johnson in the 5th. Excuse me, if you're a Quentin Johnson owner right now, tell me how excited you are. Not, you know, you're looking to unload unless he's in your taxi. Then you're sitting here going, he'll get better. No, he's not going to get better. The dude is a stunk. Then you got JSN in the fourth round. Fourth round, JSN was going at the 401, and yet we had Adam Thielen going at the 1611. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Mike, you, uh, you're you probably not going to want to watch the full podcast oh. of this. It'll, this is all going to make sense when you watch it. <laughs> all going to make so sense. Actually, so. Um, so on that, I can actually ask him a question now, because now that we've already kind of done callbacks to like earlier in the podcast, a question came up earlier, and we're going to take a little break from fantasy football. It's kind of fantasy football. It's football related. But I have right. to ask you a question. So you, yeah. you saw Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines throwing, which is just, like, unbelievable, inhuman. Like, the guy's out of his boot. He's walking, like, crazy. Whatever world Aaron Rodgers lives in, I mean, I kind of want to visit it. Very, very curious what goes on there. But one of the things I found out, you'll, <laughs> you'll get the full rundown when you go back to listen to the full episode. So did you know? that he was listening to dolphin mating noises to help speed up his recovery. And I want to know if you think there's any scientific validity behind that. No, I didn't know that. But everything about Aaron Rodgers is about inhaling mushrooms and eating grass. So, like, does that surprise me in any aspect? No. But you know what? No. I'm an engineer by trade. I believe in science. I believe in studies. And, uh, you know, when you start showing me that, then, you know, maybe we can start talking. But that doesn't surprise me. Let me ask you a question. 
fast forward to us playing you potentially in the championship of our dynasty league and your wife and your kids are yelling at you because Ryan and I are driving up and down your street with a speaker system through the night playing dolphin mating calls because Aaron Rodgers came back. We put him out of IR. We put him in our lineup and he takes you down that week for the championship. I tell you what, the day that I think Aaron Rodgers is going to outscore the combination of Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts because you're still starting Joshua Dobbs. Yeah, hey, I'm, Deshaun, you know what? Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, come on. Don't forget about Deshaun and Aaron Rodgers. You come know, in. every time Deshaun touches the ball, he does this. <laughs> no. He's not used to yeah. not being elite. The guy, the guy not, is not used to not being elite. He doesn't know how to play when he's not at that elite level. And that's hey, can I, can I tell you something about Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers? They've been on two championship teams. We've won with them before. Don't forget that. So, Mike, real quick, before we uh, move on to ballers and fallers, what I do, I have a theory. And being from Michigan, again, we're not going to – we're over the battling of collegiate alliances and everything like that. But being that we're all from Michigan, right, I was just at the Bucks lions game on Sunday in Tampa. I live in Tampa. So I was just at the game. It was unreal. You'll hear more about it when you listen to the full episode of the cast. But – I came up with this theory. Now, you're, we all are familiar with the, if Michigan or Detroit ever wins, they would burn their own house down, right? We know what Michigan State burned the couches, and we know that, hey, it's just the Flints, the Pontiacs, the Detroits are all garbage cities that we would just self-implode on. However, I have a new theory, and I truly, truly believe that this new Detroit fan base, after seeing what I saw, on, on, on Sunday, and I'll, maybe I'll drop a little clip of the video in, into this episode so you guys can see what I saw because it was unreal. It was a non-divisional conference road win. You would have thought we won the Super Bowl. My theory is if Detroit ever wins the Super Bowl, we will not self-implode. We will not burn our own house down. We will have this feeling of just invincibility and we will try to take over the world we will take back toledo we will invade windsor those wisconsin better watch out because those hoopers are coming to eat their cheese like we will try to just expand michigan and take over anybody and anything in our way and you can't tell me i'm wrong because after seeing these detroit fans as passionate as they are we are freaking hungry my man I tell you what, I'll do you one better. We beat Baltimore this weekend. We're first place in the NFC at the end of the season. Do you see another loss? Where? Where? This is the last game on our schedule. Yeah, all right. They're going to lose some somewhere because Goff is going to twist his pinky, and then he's going to have to go sit down and get rotator cuff rubbings with Deshaun Watson with that therapeutic rub. But, you know, no. Nobody somewhere is going to be coming in there and taking our house. You know what I can't wait to see? Your the Packers Thanksgiving. What do you think that spread's going to be? <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. We take care of Baltimore because you look at the people above us: Philadelphia, San Francisco. Their schedule the rest of the season is nuts. You know, yep. they play each other. So let's say even one of them goes gets through it, they got to play each other. And the other knock the other one out. No, no, I am, I am. I've never seen a defense like ours. 64 yards per game rushing they're giving up. Absolutely insane. And with what? 
Houston's out. CJ Gardner Johnson's out. They just lost the other uh, Mosley out. Like, what are they? I was the biggest anti um, Alex Anzalone fan. I thought the guy was complete garbage. I threw my hands up in the air screaming, going, why did you re-sign that guy? He had one of the worst PFF grades. And even just watching him, I'm a big film stats Mary guy. You watch him, the dude was lost every play. He was dropping back and run plays, and he was running out up to the line and pass plays. You're like, what are you doing? Like, the calls here are easy. I don't know what sort of magic juice they gave him, but all of a sudden you see the exact opposite. The guy's in the right place at the right time, constantly being all over the field. And you saw that all over Tampa Bay. Like, as you there the game, he was there. I don't know what they did. Um, hats off. Campbell, Campbell, I'm I can, I'd run into a wall. I wouldn't be able to run yeah. through a wall. I'm not physically strong enough, but I would run into a wall and bounce off of it over and over and over again for that guy. Amen. Amen. We, we need to be somewhat uh, conscious of the time of this uh, podcast, but I do want to lay down a bet right now. You're probably not going to like this bet, but as somebody that has that Spartan shirt on and that Spartan flag, Michigan, Michi- Michigan versus State, if Michigan wins, next time you're a guest on this podcast, you sing Hail to the Victors. If Michigan State wins, next time you're on this podcast, I'll, I'll, it's not even a famous song. I don't even know if they have a fight song. I'll learn the lyrics. I'll, wear, I'll learn the lyrics, and I'll, I'll sing Michigan State's fight song. All right. You know what? That's a pretty low blow bet because I already came on to this saying you guys are going to win this weekend. No questions asked. But I tell you what, because I'm willing to stand up, the winning record by the end of this season between football and basketball, the winner has to sing the loser's fight song. I just for the sake of it, I I'd be all right. I'm I'm fine. I have no I basketball doesn't start until football's over, but so I'd be lying if I sat there and said that I could name thirteen guys on their roster or anything, but it sounds like That's all right, neither can Michigan name yeah. thirteen guys on yeah. their own roster. Yeah. So we'll uh in the off season we're gonna have a bunch of content where we're doing dynasty stuff and just more fun podcasts. So we'll we'll definitely have something. Call that a bet. We'll we'll, we'll stand up for our, for our school. We'll we'll make that a bet. All right. Um, it's a bet. Last uh, segment we always uh, sign off on is uh, bowlers and fallers. So I'm gonna uh, start with it. I'm gonna hand it off to Ryan, and then we're gonna uh, finish with Mike and Spartan Rage. So uh, my baller is going to be Devonta Smith. He's been cool as can be the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's done nothing. Sometimes he's getting targets. Sometimes he's not. The production hasn't really been there. This matchup with Philadelphia and the Miami Dolphins has got to be the matchup of the week. I just think just by the fact of being involved in this game, like when you used to see the 51 to 45 game between the Chiefs and the the Rams a few years ago, I just think that this has all of the makings of just a uh, – nuclear bomb statistical game. So I'm going to go with Devonta finally uh, getting back on track. Uh, and then in the same game, faller-wise, half of it is Raheem Mostert is made of glass, and we've already talked about that. I think Raheem Mostert, potentially this could be the week that he just finally comes back to earth in that giant Georgia defensive line for the Eagles might pick him up and just break him in half. 
and they're obviously their run defense is great. They, he might be taken out game script wise if it becomes a shootout and they can't really hand off as much as they want. Uh, Raheem Mostert's second or third in a lot of rankings. I, I, he's one of those guys that because of the makeup of the game, I'd be a little bit weary. He might get there, but I don't think you're going to have this high game of the season this week, not the second or third running back. Ryan, what do you think, bud? Yeah, man. Um, ballers this week. Um, go go uh, drum for it, actually. You know what? I think you got Watson out again. You got enter in XFL superstar Philip PJ Walker under center again. You got India as a soft run defense. And Hunt is already nicked. He's already missed practice this week. Um, I think they're going to lean on the run game. I think they're going to lean on Ford. And I think it's going to get a lot of carries, a lot of touches, and a lot of work. Um, fallers, I am going with Mike Evans. I said earlier on one of the episodes prior to the AJ Terrell factor is a real thing you need to be watching out for and you need to be very careful about when you're lining up wide receivers against it. He does shadow coverage, he will follow Mike. I'm taking Mike out of my lineup. Um, with that, let's hand it from one Mike to the other Mike. Thanks, John. Well, my baller first off has got to be Michael Mayer. And I'm not calling this after his beak. I'm calling this because as you go ahead and look at that, his route percentage has been going up every week. I'm not talking about snap percentage because with tight ends, you can't really count on snap percentage. You don't know if they're in blocking or if they're out on the slot. But if we go through and look at his route percentage, he's been going 27, 38, 42, 37, 46, and then this last week, 65%. The man has always been out there at 2012, 20, 21, 22 sets. You know, he's at least 86, um, 100% on those, but he is now up to 86% on 11 wide sets. Meanwhile, Hooper's been dropping 50, 58, 66, 47, 31. This offense is turning over and recognizing Michael Mayer as being the stud that he was supposed to be. And I think uh, you see his later half in the seasons, this rookie stepping up. Your time to buying him is diminishing, both in redraft and in dynasty. So if there's any chance left, Now's the time because you know what? They're playing a team that guts up a lot of points to tight ends. Now's the time because it's going to be too late. My faller, Jerome Ford. And I tell you why. Because here we go, Ryan. You're in trouble because you know I'm about to drop it on you. We've watched we've watched Hunt's snap percentage climb almost every week. 19, 20, 37 percent since he's come back. His route percentage. 8, 12, 14%. His carries, 5, 5, 12. They're getting him more involved. Meanwhile, we haven't seen Jerome Ford get a red zone touch since week three. But okay, I know you're a box score watcher. I'm sure you saw that he got 17 touches to um, Hunt's 12, and he got two targets to Hunt's three. I watched tape, Brian. Let me tell you what happened. First drive, Hunt, two carries, three first downs. Second drive, Ford. Two carries, one first down. Third drive, Ford. Okay, three more carries. Fourth, Hunt. Fifth, Ford. Fourth, or sixth, they rotated. They continued to rotate until they needed the game. Then it was Hunt, Hunt, Hunt. I tell you what, you go back and look, all year last year, it was Hunt. Do you know how many touches Jerome Ford got the entire year? Twelve. That doesn't even pick up the man's shoelace. They might have walked away from Hunt in the offseason, but because we both know he wanted money. But now that Chubb went down, who did they call? Hunt. Hunt's coming back. Hunt's saving the day. I tell you what, your time to sell Jerome Ford, it's passing. Because if you don't get rid of him right now, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. One thing you guys will learn, listeners, you'll learn real quick. 
Most of my ballers, they're shameful plugs. I'm not necessarily saying they're ballers. I'm putting it out in the universe because I'm probably depending on that player in one of my leagues to do what I need them to do in order to get me a dub. So, Ford, I hope you're listening. New Mike, <laughs> God, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this one up. We can't thank Mike enough for coming on. It's so great to see your face, get to hear your voice, and uh, and see your passion for fantasy football. God knows that's why we're sitting here on this podcast. So uh, get ready to see this man's face on this podcast quite a bit because he's he's definitely gonna be a regular on it. Um, those of you who are listening still right now, you know if you're in any of our leagues. We want this to be a brethren of our leagues and friends and stuff like that. Definitely contact us. Uh, you know, come on. We'd love to have you on and meet some other, you know, friends of the the, the different leagues that we're in and whatnot. And uh, importantly, it takes two seconds to do. Please like and subscribe this. I can't tell you how important it is to grow this in the infancy of it, because if this ever does take off, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a lot of people with us and uh, and have a good time with it. So we appreciate everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week for the Functional Fanaholics. Thanks, everyone. Once again, gentlemen, mics, two mics don't make a right.